0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 38 in the series, Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday, the 7th of February, 2010, entitled God, the Holy Spirit, part two. And the Bible readings are taken from John chapter 14, verses 12 to 26, John chapter 15, verse 26 and 27, and John chapter 16, verses one to 15. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. you'd like to be opening your Bibles, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. All right, I'll invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word, beginning in John, chapter 14 and verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go. Unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another Comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world seeth me no more. But ye shall see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. He that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. My father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings and the word which ye hear is not mine but the father's which sent me these things have i spoken unto you being yet present with you but the comforter which is the holy ghost whom the father will send in my name he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever i have said Unto you. Done in chapter 15 and verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. These things have I spoken unto you that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. These things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. These things I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me. None of you asketh me whether goest thou. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Father, we thank you so much again today for the time, the privilege that we have to be here in your house this day. Father, we thank you for your word that has been preserved for us. We thank You for Your Spirit that we have just been reading about. We thank You for the confidence of knowing that He's here with us today, that He lives and dwells within us, that He will guide us into all truth. We pray this day, Lord, as You know the hearts of each one that is here. You know the needs of each one. Father, we pray that through Thy power, through Thy Word, for Thy glory and Thy glory alone, that the needs of each individual would be met, that each and every one of us, Lord, would respond in whatever way we need today. We might leave this place more like Jesus than when we entered. For it's in His name and His name alone we pray. Amen and amen. As we began in this passage last week, we began and thus far we have looked at two things, the promise the great promise that is made to us here time and again by the Lord Jesus Christ of this one that he sent, this comforter, this other one in his place to come alongside us, the paraclete, the Holy Ghost himself. We look not only at the promise, but we looked at the person of the Holy Spirit, that he is not just some great influence, some great power but that he is a person, and that person is God, one of the persons of our triune God. We've clearly seen that Jesus made a firm promise to us of sending us the Holy Spirit in his place when he left this world. And that in fact, as we read here, we see that it was just as surely. He, Jesus Christ himself, and the Father that would be present with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Though we look at the individuality of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we need to always keep in mind that we cannot divide them. We can look at them individually, but there is one God. You cannot separate and take one away from the other There's only one God present in three distinct persons but never divided into three separate gods. It's also important to remember that as God is the great three in one. We stated clearly that our text is not His beginning as we saw last week. It's not the beginning of of the Holy Spirit any more than Bethlehem was the beginning of Jesus Christ. We serve an eternal God, ever present in three persons. And this one that we speak of, God the Holy Spirit, He is eternal God. But rather here is the promise of His personal presence and work. in The New Testament believer, in the New Testament church, The work of the Holy Spirit, we saw, is much more than just some mere influence, but it is the work of a person, a person that can only be described as God. John Wesley made this statement. He said, I want the whole Christ for my Savior, the whole Bible for my book the whole church for my fellowship, and the whole world for my mission field. If only we could truly repeat those words and mean it today. As we look at the Scriptures that we have before us, let us be assured that none of this is possible. It's not possible to have all of Christ All of His Word, all of His church and all of His mission field uh, without the Holy Spirit fulfilling His purpose in your life. We touched on most of the things that we'll be looking at today in the last sermon as we were looking simply at the the proofs of the Holy Spirit being a person in the things that Christ promised He would do. But as we continue to look at this passage this morning, I want us to look specifically today at the purpose of the Holy Spirit. What was the purpose of His ministry? What is the purpose of what He does? And I want you to notice, first of all, as we just skip through this passage a bit, notice first of all where we began in verse 12. When the Word of God says, Verily, verily I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. I've made the comment to you before that the the first time that I really looked at that verse and began to try to, to contemplate what it was saying, it's it's a really pretty awesome thing. The Lord Jesus Christ, saying, the works that I do, you will do also, and greater than these shall you do. Well, as we look here, first of all, of the purpose of the Holy Spirit, the first thing that I've simply called it is the transferring of Christ's work. We speak of the transferring of the work of Christ from one body in the flesh of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ to another body, the body of Christ, that he's left to accomplish his work today. Jesus is by no means saying that man will be more powerful than he himself. His focus in this verse is on the works that he himself has accomplished and that these apostles that he's speaking to have witnessed while he was ministering in the flesh of that one man Jesus, though 100% God, God willingly confined himself to one physical fleshly body to accomplish the work that needed to be accomplished for you and I. Here, he's speaking more of the extent of these works that would continue to be possible through the power of the indwelling and the infilling of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. His work no longer being restricted to one body, to one flesh, which had been necessary for the 33 and a half years that he had spent upon this earth, but would now be able to continue. And every one of these apostles and every true believer that would follow, remember, he is just about, just a few chapters later, he's going to be leaving them with this mind-boggling, tremendous task of taking the message of salvation, the gospel, to the ends of the world, to every people everywhere. And as he continues to explain here amidst our reading today right there in chapter 15 when he gives this great illustration, the vine and the branches, he says there in chapter 15, verse 5, he said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Nothing. As I read that, I, I I don't even remember where I first read it or saw it, but I I remember one time reading about, you know, the illustration of a glove. What can you do with a glove? What could you do with that glove today if I gave it to you, Brother Chris? I mean, you know, you could probably you know pick up a hymn book with it if you wanted to. It works pretty good for for doing that, or. You can pick up these books. I, I, I can pick up the, uh, uh, the offering bags. I can do all these things, and that glove works pretty good for it. But if I tell it to pick up your Bible, is it going to accomplish anything? You see, that's kind of what the Lord's saying to us here that, you know, without me, you're just like a glove without a hand in it. You can accomplish absolutely nothing. That glove is real. And that glove can do lots of things, but that glove can do absolutely nothing without somebody's hand being within it. They help it do it. And that's what Jesus is saying of us. Without me, you can do nothing. It takes his power, his presence. And of course, that presence is with us in the person of this Holy Spirit that he's sending to us here. We look at the scriptures before us we just need to be reminded. We need to be reminded of the simple but awesome truth that without the Holy Spirit fulfilling His purpose in our lives, we will never, ever, ever fulfill our purpose in the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't. We can do nothing without Him. Now, as we look here today, I want us to just remember that what we're seeing here in chapter 14 and verse 12 is the transferring of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ to another besides himself. It's not just simply the passing on, but really it's simply the transferring of the work in the location of where he works from. You see, in the first instance, the purpose of the Holy Spirit What he's saying here, the first instance, his first purpose is to do the work of Christ, (laughs) to accomplish the work that Christ himself came to do, whose purpose was to do the will of the Father. And if that work is to be accomplished through us, it was necessary for Christ to go to the Father so that the Holy Spirit could come, be sent, that we could somehow accomplish this work as he, took up residence within us. You see, the first purpose of the Holy Spirit is to continue the very work of Christ. That's God's purpose. As we look at the Holy Word of God, we see the cross from cover to cover. We see the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's been His focus for mankind. And it's that same work. Jesus isn't Passing the buck here as we so many times would do. But Jesus said, you've seen. You've seen what I've been able to accomplish in this one body that you've witnessed while I was here. Well, you're going to do greater things than these because of me going to the Father. Not greater because of more power, but greater in extent because Jesus Christ was going to be continuing that same work through every believer the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Not only the transferring of Christ's work that it might continue when He left this earth, but secondly, for tenancy in the believer. What does it mean to be a tenant? It's one that is taking up residence. Well, Jesus Christ, notice what He says here in chapter 14. First of all, picking up in verse 16, Jesus says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, another paraclete, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will Come to you, yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day, you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. You see, for that glove to be of any use whatsoever, it's got to not just exist, but it must have that presence within it. That's the only way that it will ever do anything. And the only presence that can accomplish the work of God is God Himself. The only person that can accomplish what God wants to be done is God, and that's what He's doing through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit indwelling our lives. The Holy Spirit's purpose in coming, He says, that, ye, that He may abide with you forever. Literally, here, the, the word carries with it the idea of a permanent residence. That's why it says, Abide with you forever. We find that the Holy Spirit is to come and take up permanent residence within the believer. It says, For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you through the Holy Spirit's presence with the believer. It's not new insofar as him dwelling with believers. We can go back and we can look in the Old Testament. We can see God's people. We can see the Holy Spirit working in the midst of God's people, doing the things that God wants done. But there is a definite distinction here in that now, the Holy Spirit is not going to just dwell with the believer. He is going to dwell in the believer. A great distinction that's never been, it's never been seen anywhere else in Scripture before that. According to verse 20, he says, At that day ye shall know me, that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. When the Holy Spirit takes up his permanent, Residence within the believer. The believer then becomes completely, totally inseparable from God in all of his triune being. All of God is present within us in the person of the Holy Spirit. He's not just part God. He's all God. The truth is reiterated again in verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him and we will come unto Him and make our abode, our permanent dwelling with Him. For the believer to live without this abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives would be to live without the ability to accomplish anything of eternal consequence. What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, it's transferring to advance the work of Christ through every believer by taking up permanent residence within and through that presence within us to fulfill another purpose that we see here in this passage, and that's the teaching of God's Word. (laughs) Notice what he says in verse 26 there, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Now, this was one of the passages that just in our last outreach in the city center, that one of the the Muslims that uh, uh, had the opportunity of witnessing to there for quite some time on the street, this was one of the passages that he came back trying to say that the comforter that's mentioned here in chapter 14 was actually not the Holy Spirit, but it was actually... Muhammad himself, (laughs) that was being sent as the comforter to come alongside us. But I want you to notice, of course, he believes that our our Bible is mistaken. He doesn't see that as the Word of God. Well, God tells us clearly who the other paraclete is that's coming alongside, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. For God's work to be carried out in and through our lives. It is not the teaching of this world. It is not the wisdom of man that is needed for us to accomplish that. But we need the teaching of all things from God's perspective, which we can only find in His word. That doesn't mean that we have a license to be ignorant, (laughs) that we aren't to learn and gain and thank God for a lot of the wisdom that He gives us. But we should look at all things, all things, from God's perspective. Who can teach us better than the author Himself? Who knows what He meant? better than the one that wrote it. The apostles had not understood all things that had happened in their very presence when they were walking with Jesus. Neither had they understood all the things that Jesus had said unto them. And they were certainly about to be not only very perplexed, but very frightened by the events that were about to take place before their eyes. Yet, these same men because of Jesus returning by the Holy Spirit that was coming to them on the day of Pentecost would not only come to remember and understand the things that Jesus had said but would be used to inspire be inspired of God to pen the very New Testament the inerrant infallible word of God that was still to be spoken but that has been preserved for you and I today. That's the work that the Holy Spirit was to accomplish through them. And it's that same Holy Spirit that through them that gave us the Word of God is the same Holy Spirit that will lead you and I, that will teach us all things concerning the matters of God. It is only through the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit that we can even begin to learn and understand the things of God. Notice what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said, beginning in verse 11, For What man knoweth the things of man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind. Of Christ. That's why. That's why. You see, Jesus is showing them the importance that he go away. And he send this other one. Now, keep it in mind that the purpose of the Holy Spirit, as we see here, remember, is the advancement of the work of Christ through every believer by taking up permanent residence within the believer because without that presence, he can do nothing And then through that presence, teaching the believer all things through a godly and a biblical perspective, giving understanding and bringing to remembrance the very things that Jesus Christ came to teach us and show us. And with that in mind, note the purpose here as he moves on into verses 26 and 27, not only to transfer Christ's work, Not only for the tendency of taking up tendency within every believer in the teaching of God's Word, but we find in verse 26 and 27, the purpose also is a testifying of the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 15, verse 26 and 27, but when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. The work of Christ, for which the Holy Spirit is present and residing within us, and the spiritual matters that He'll teach us and bring to our remembrance, brings us to this very specific purpose that can only happen when these other things have been fulfilled within us. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to testify of Christ. You see, it's Christ that must be magnified through us, through our lives, if anything is to be accomplished. In the light of Christ being seen in and through us, which can only happen in the power of the Spirit, only then can we truly be an effective witness for Him. We can run our mouths. (laughs) We can show somebody all of our worldly wisdom. But if we're going to be an effective witness, then Christ must be seen through us in our lives, in what we're doing, and in what we're saying. That's the only way that anything will be accomplished. It is only the person of Christ that can change a life. And it's only through the Holy Spirit's witness of Christ that mine and yours witness can be effective to that end. You see, the apostles had been present with Jesus from the beginning, he says here. Now, he's not talking about the beginning as far as creation, not talking about the beginning of of Christ who is eternal, but since the beginning of his ministry in the building, the body of Christ. It's only because that you as a believer today have been with Christ from the beginning. The beginning of your spiritual life. And as a result of the Holy Spirit having taken up permanent residence within you, teaching you the truth in spiritual matters, and testifying of Christ through your life, only because of that, that now you not only can, but you should and must be obedient to be a witness of what Christ is to you, what He has accomplished in you since the beginning of your spiritual life. You didn't have one before he came on the scene. He's been with you from the beginning. You've been with him from the beginning because that's where it all started when Jesus Christ became a part of your life. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of of the earth, they couldn't be that witness until after the Holy Spirit had come upon them. What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? To advance the work of Christ by taking up permanent residence within every true believer and teaching the believer all things and testifying of Christ through that believer, enabling him to be a witness for Christ that through the Holy Spirit we might see this great purpose that we see in chapter 16, verses 7 and 11, the transforming of sinners. Notice what he says in chapter 16, verses 7 to 11, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart. I will send him unto you. When he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Verse 7, Jesus reminds them that it is expedient for him to go. He's still offering them Comfort for his going away, which he knows is going to be sad for them. But he's trying to tell them it's for their good. It is expedient. It is for your advantage. It was necessary for him to go in order for the Holy Spirit to come to them. But they could rest assured that when he went, he would send the Holy Spirit. It was important that the Holy Spirit come because all the purposes that he's laid out before them, the whole continuance of of Christ's work, which we already know is the will of the Father, and his purpose in coming to accomplish his work on this earth is for the salvation of souls. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. John chapter 3, verse 17, for God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Paul said, Of whom I am chief. You see, that was his purpose. That was why Jesus came and did all that he did. The whole purpose of his coming was to save sinners, to transform lives, to take sinful man that was dead in trespasses of sin and to give him life everlasting, to take sinful men. Give them a new start. To Allow the blind to see and the deaf to hear, and yes, the dead to live. Verse 8, in speaking of the Holy Spirit, and when he has come, he will, he says, reprove the world of sin. You might use the word convict there. The word translated reprove here actually can be used in two different ways. One is a judicial term, which literally speaks of a conviction of a crime with a view towards the sentencing. And the other carries with it the idea of convincing, of convincing one. You see, when we speak of the work of the Holy Spirit in reproving or convicting, we want to speak more to the second sense here of this meaning It is only through the Holy Spirit that man can be convinced of his sin and be willing to do something about it in order to avoid the conviction, the sentencing that surely will come if we stand before God in all of our sin. He says here, the conviction of sin, of sin because they believe not on me. The only means of dealing with our sin is through belief and faith in Jesus Christ and His finished work to atone for that sin. We find sin in the singular here, not the plural. The one sin that nothing else can do anything about in all the world is the sin of unbelief. And we cannot, within ourselves, we can't convince anyone of their sin and their need for a Savior. But that's why it was expedient, necessary, advantageous for Jesus to go and for the Holy Spirit to come that he might convict man of his sin. Without conviction, folks, no one will ever be saved. It is not possible within man's sinful flesh in any way to save himself Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The Bible says, unless the Father draweth, no man cometh. People have this idea well, I'll I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it next week, I'll get some other things sorted out in my life. You're not promised tomorrow, you're not promised next week. When God gives you that opportunity, and by the Holy Spirit alone, you're convinced of your sin and recognize your need for a Savior. You're not promised that again. Man can't bring that to you. Nobody can give that to you. It's by God's grace alone, for by grace are you saved through faith. You find that the Holy Spirit come to convict of sin and to convict of righteousness, he says in verse 10, literally to shatter and to destroy all of man's self-righteousness that he has within himself, convincing himself that he's a good person, that he's not so bad. Jesus did this time and again with the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes as he went through the New Testament. The Holy Spirit still does that work today. And by convicting men, by allowing them to see that the only righteousness that will possibly stand is the righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. That righteousness was attested to when he went to the Father. We find that he says of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more, he was acceptable. The sacrifice had been paid. He was all as it ought to be. And in verse 11, to convict of judgment. He says, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. The judgment of this world that's under Satan's control, as we've already seen in our last part of this series, through Satan's influence in this world, man's judgments are faulty, and particularly his judgment of the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan's perverted the minds, and he's perverted the hearts of this world, He's turned them from the very truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. God's judgment is right, and it's true. Though it appeared to the natural eye that Jesus was being defeated at Calvary, it was in fact Satan's ultimate defeat. Only the Holy Spirit can lead sinners to true and honest judgment Satan is already judged, he says here, defeated. His sentence is certain. It's the Holy Spirit's purpose to convict men of true judgment in God's eyes. We ask ourselves again, what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Folks, his purpose is to advance the work of Christ by indwelling believers, by teaching them all things and bringing Christ to remembrance by testifying of Christ through the believer and enabling that believer to be a witness that through God's Word and Christ's presence, the Spirit will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, that they might be saved and transformed through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. All of this, this continued purpose. Notice what he says in verse 13. How be it? When he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The transmitting of all truth. The Bible says it's the truth alone that can set you free. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, he says here. And he's come to guide you into all truth. Not only did the Holy Spirit specifically guide the apostles into all truth and through inspiration give us our only guide of truth that you and I have today, but still today, He'll guide you into all truth through His Word. We all need guidance. A young Christian, after being convinced of their need of a Savior by the Holy Spirit, he needs a guide to help him to know and to follow the truth just as assuredly. The Christian that's been saved for more years than you can count, he continues to need that guidance day by day, that guidance through God's Word. There are real dangers, real pitfalls in this world. The truth is continually under attack by Satan. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to continually guide us into all truths. Anybody heading out on a journey that they haven't traveled before is most likely if they've got really any kind of brain at all, they're going to look for some kind of guidance to at least know which direction to head off in. Uh, They could use an old-fashioned map. I mean, a few people remember how to use those, I think. Well, they probably go online if they don't have a sat-nav, which they're more likely to use. They can go online and they'll go to Google Map or MapQuest or AA or one of these and they'll get all the directions printed right out for them that tell them what direction to go and where to make their turns. But they're going to look for guidance if they've never been there before to find out some way to get there. We all need guidance in our spiritual lives, each and every one of us. None of us know what today holds, what tomorrow holds, but God does. Like the songwriter, you know, I don't don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds my hand. I know who holds tomorrow in his hands. You don't know what dangers lay in your way. You don't know what false information is going to be sent your way. You need guidance into all truth. There is one place to find it, the Holy Spirit. That's His purpose, to guide you, to let you know what lies ahead. That's part of His purpose in coming to live and dwell within you. He'll guide you using the only guidebook that you can count on 100% with confidence. Even the sat-nav will send you astray sometimes. I've been there, not even close to where I was supposed to be. God's guidance never sends you wrong. When something isn't so easy to understand and you're not quite sure what it means, why not go to the author himself? Why not let him explain it to you? Why not let him clearly guide you through those truths? I want you to notice one final thing in closing about the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Notice here in verse 14, he says, He shall glorify me. Where he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Very simply, in everything and all that the Holy Spirit is doing, he's advancing the work of Christ. And he's doing it through the believer. And he does it in such a way that all the glory goes to Jesus Christ himself. It's Christ that must be seen. It's Christ that must be magnified. It's Christ that must be glorified. And it's the Spirit's purpose to bring that about in the midst of this dark, evil world that you and I live in. How many of you have ever driven down the road at nighttime and saw one of these big advertising billboards? Anybody? You know why you were able to see that billboard at night when it was all dark out there, Panos? Panos? Somebody had some lights, some floodlights shining on it. Now, those floodlights were facing away from you, and they probably had shields over the back, so you never actually saw the lights. You saw the billboard. Have you ever seen one of these important buildings? Maybe it was a a castle or a government building or something like that, and they they set all these floodlights around the outside that just kind of shines up the wall and lights it up, and boy, sometimes it just catches your attention in the distance because it's looking so beautiful You don't see any of the lights themselves. If they were shining at you, they'd be blinding you. But in fact, they're shining upon the building. And what you're seeing lit up is the building itself. That's what he's saying. That's kind of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's working like a a floodlight on the Lord Jesus Christ. Man can't see him in his natural eyes in this dark world. But he's going to, light up Jesus. He's going to glorify Jesus so that Jesus can be seen as Christians. We know when the Holy Spirit's doing His work, and we probably ought to thank Him for it more than we do. But it's not because we see Him. It's because when His work is done properly, we've seen Jesus. That's what He wants to do. You see, in John chapter 7, verses 28 to 30, you'll find that The Lord Jesus Christ is making something very clear here. (coughs) John chapter 7. Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught, saying, You both know me, and you know whence I am, and I am not come of myself, but but he that sent me is true, whom ye know not. But I know him, for I am from him, and he has sent me. Talking about his father. Notice verse 30. Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him because... His hour was not yet come. It wasn't His hour yet. It wasn't time for them to take Him. That wasn't God's plan. Notice right where just a, a, the next chapter from where we are now. In John chapter 17, in what we call the, the prayer of intercession by the Lord Jesus Christ, says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. They couldn't touch him back there in chapter 7 because his hour had not yet come. But now Jesus Christ himself is praying to the Father and he says, my hour is come. The hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. Glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. The time of Jesus had come, and he's trying to prepare his disciples and us for it. It was only when Christ's hour had come that he could pray this prayer for the Father to glorify him. You see, Christ has spent his time glorifying the Father while he was on earth. And the Holy Spirit is glorifying the Son. And the Holy Spirit is doing His work. We as believers will know it, believe me. Because it's Jesus Christ that will be glorified in our midst. Christ is always the center. He has the preeminence. He's the heart of all we do. It's Christ alone. Christ alone that can give man access to God. We believe. We've seen the promise of the Spirit made by Jesus Christ before He returned to heaven. We've seen the person of the Spirit in the surety of His being, a person of the Trinity that's just as much God as the Father and the Son. And I want you to realize this, and we'll be looking these next couple weeks at some of the practical workings of the Holy Spirit. But keep this in mind, His purpose is the advancement of the work of Jesus Christ through every believer by taking up permanent residence within the believer because without that presence, we can accomplish nothing. And then, through that presence, teaching the believer all things from a godly and biblical perspective, giving understanding, bringing to remembrance those teachings of Christ, testifying of Christ through the believer and enabling us to be effective witnesses That through God's Word. In Christ's presence, the Spirit will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment that they might be saved and transformed through the gospel and then by being guided into all truth, giving the only sure and safe guidance that we have through this life And in all that he does, bringing glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus. Jesus said, I've got to go. Why? His hour had come. His work in the flesh was done. But a greater work was to still be accomplished. Because through each and every believer, God's permanent abiding presence within you to accomplish that Jesus Christ, not what you and I can do, this is the whole thing, God living within us, that Christ's work might be carried on, that he might still receive all the glory for it, but that the people, the lives that you and I come in contact with, they ought to be changed because they've been brought into the presence of God as Jesus Christ's glory shines through us. If they're to see God, if they're to see the Lord Jesus Christ, the folks, there's only one place they're going to see it. That's through His Word. And He's chosen to use you and I to be the witnesses of that Word. Father, we thank You today. Lord, it for Your love and, Lord, Your wisdom and doing things the way that probably we wouldn't have done them ourselves. Thank you for sending us the Holy Spirit to live and dwell within us. Lord, I know that we've covered a lot of things quickly this morning out of necessity. Lord, I pray that in these passages we could grasp and remember as we look at the practical workings of the Holy Spirit, what you told us when you said you were sending Him, the purpose, the reasons for His coming. Lord, I pray here today that every Christian would grasp and understand that they need that Holy Spirit's presence working in their lives. Lord, we'll be looking in the weeks ahead of how that presence can truly control our lives, the effect that it should have on us. Father, I pray that today, if there be anyone here in our midst that doesn't know this one, that doesn't know the presence of the Holy Spirit because they've never yet come in contact with Jesus. They don't have that assurance. And I pray that even this day, or that they would come to put their faith and trust in Him and recognize that it's only through Jesus that they can have life, but in Him they can have life everlasting. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.